What a great thought, priorities. Perhaps some of you have had someone speak to you as I did when I was a teenager. I goofed off occasionally. I know that's hard to believe, but uh, I had a teacher one time who told me, you're going to have to set some priorities. I can tell you that studying for classes is more important than playing sports. They will serve you longer in life. When it comes to the choices that people might make, the priority you place upon the Lord, as we just sang that song, whatever you do in word or in deed, do all in the name of the Lord. Matthew 6 and verse 33, Jesus said, But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Putting the Lord first in our lives is extremely important. When you put the Lord first in your life, that will affect a lot of things. One of the most important areas that it will affect is that of your honesty. And you see, honesty and integrity should be a part of everyone's life. Everybody should be honest. Everybody should have integrity. I want to focus, if you will, for just a moment or two on some passages of Scripture which just simply lay that out as a basic teaching. Romans chapter 12, verse 17, and the King James reads, Recompense to no man evil for evil, provide things honest in the sight of all men. We all understand that we don't need people who are going to seek revenge, who are going to turn evil for evil. When someone does mean to us, we ought to return it with good. That's what our Lord taught. But in everything, we ought to provide for things honest in the sight of all men, not only in our sight, not only in God's sight, but even in the sight of the world. In the passage that Brother Josh just read to us from Philippians 4 and verse 8, I want to read it in the original King James where it says, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, Whatever things are honest, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. And then he goes on to say that the God of peace will be with you. It is taught in the Bible both by precept and by principle. When you say that something is taught by precept, you're saying that it is taught directly. God's Word tells us in specific words that we are to be honest, and it is also taught to us in principle. We can see it exemplified and uh, lived out in the lives of real people. And so we can find the teachings there. Now, I have heard the phrase, you are what you eat. People will say, whatever you eat, that will translate into the health of your body. But let me point out to you, in the Bible, you are what you think. And that's the reason why I chose Philippians 4 and verse 8 as the beginning. And that is, think on these things. Things that are honest, think about them. In Proverbs 23, verse 7, For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. 
the kinds of things that you think about. Do you think about how I can deceive someone, how I can trick someone, how I can make someone else believe something that is not true? In Proverbs 26, beginning with verse 23, Fervent lips with a wicked heart are like earthenware covered with silver dross. He who hates disguises it with his lips and lays up deceit within himself. Notice the person who hates. He's got a mean, evil heart, but he covers it up. He disguises it with his lips. He says nice things. Verse 25, when he speaks kindly, do not believe him. For there are seven abominations in his heart. Though his hatred is covered by deceit, his wickedness will be revealed before the assembly. Honesty will eventually come out. Dishonesty will also come out. This lesson is going to be very simple. I'm going to just break it down into two areas. The first is going to be that of honesty in word and then honesty in deed. And that's why Brother Steve chose the song. Colossians 3.17 says, And whatever you do, in word or in deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. So let's talk about honesty in word. Are you really serious about what you say? The words that you use. What about oaths? You know, we don't talk about oaths much anymore. Today, people generally do not seal things with an oath like they did once before. Generally today, the only time you hear of people taking oaths are when they go to a court of law. Or you may hear of a person making a vow. But in biblical times, there were people who would say, I am telling you the truth and I will swear by the temple. Or I will swear by the gold of the temple. And let me point you to the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, verses 33 through 37. Jesus said, again, you have heard it that it was said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but you shall perform your oaths to the Lord. But I say to you, do not swear at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by earth, for it is footstool, nor by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Nor shall you swear by your head, because you cannot make one hair white or black. But let your yes be yes, and your no, nor no, for whatever is more than these is from the evil one. Some people have drawn from that that the Lord was saying, you can never go into a court of law and affirm that you're telling the truth. In reality, what the Lord was dealing with was the mentality, the heart of the Pharisee. He had told them earlier in Matthew 5 and verse 20, I say unto you, except your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you'll by no means enter the kingdom of God. Your righteousness has got to be better than their righteousness. Their righteousness says, I can tell a lie as long as I don't swear by the right thing. I'm sorry, are you sure about that? Let's go to Matthew chapter 23, beginning with verse 16. And Jesus said, Woe to you blind guides who say, Whoever swears by the temple, it's nothing. But whoever swears by the gold of the temple, he's obliged to perform it. 
fools and blind, which is greater, the gold or the temple that sanctifies the gold. And whoever swears by the altar, it is nothing, but whoever swears by the gift on the altar, he's obliged to perform it. Fools and blind, for which is greater, the altar or the gift that sanctifies, or the altar that sanctifies the gift. Therefore, he who swears by the altar swears by all things on it. He who swears by the temple swears by him who dwells in it. And he who swears by heaven swears by the throne of God and by him who sits on it. What Jesus was dealing with was people who were trying to technically get off telling a lie. When I was a child... One of the things we would do, people would question you. Did you say this or did you do that? And we would lie to them and say, I got my fingers crossed. As if somehow that's made it okay. You can't swear and lie and in doing so think somehow that you're honest. And that's what the Lord was dealing with. In James 5 and verse 12, James reaffirms this by saying, But above all, my brethren, do not swear either by heaven or earth or with any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no, no, lest you fall into judgment. What is the Lord saying? When you say something, let your word be your bond. Mean what you say. Don't try to couch it in deceptive language. Say what you mean. Some used it as a means to be deceitful. And Psalms 24 verse 4 says that the one who dwells with God will have clean hands and a pure heart who has not lifted up his soul to an idol nor sworn deceitfully. But now, let me point out to you, but someone says, well, what if I make a promise and it hurts? What if I tell someone I will do something and it's going to cost me money? Or it's going to put me out? Psalms 15, 1 through 4. Lord, who may abide in your tabernacle? Who may dwell on your holy hill? He who walks uprightly and works righteousness and speaks the truth in his heart. Did you get that? The truth in his heart. He who does not backbite with his tongue, nor does evil to his neighbor, nor takes up a reproach against his friend, in whose eyes a vile person is despised, but he who honors those who fear the Lord. Here's the key. He who swears to his own hurt and does not change. Will you do this? Yes, I'll do that. Then you realize in making that promise, it's going to cost you something. What do you do? Say, no, no, I can't do it now. It's going to cost me something. No, you keep your word. Numbers 30, verse 2, If a man makes a vow to the Lord or swears an oath to bind himself by some agreement, he shall not break his word. He shall do according to all that proceeds out of his mouth. You make a promise, keep it. I had a gentleman call me this last week and ask a question about marriage. I think it's appropriate with young people here to bring this up. He said there's a man and a woman who are later on in life and they decide they don't like each other anymore. They want to get a divorce. Is that okay? Number one, what God has joined together, let not man put asunder. 
Number two, they made vows. They made promises. But he snores now. And she, she's not as good a cook, and she doesn't look as good as she once did. Doesn't matter. You made a promise. And the promise you made was in sickness and in health, for richer, for poor. And you'll learn some days are for poor. But you make a promise. You keep that promise. Deuteronomy 23, verses 21 through 23. When you make a vow to the Lord your God, do not delay to pay it. For the Lord your God will surely require it of you, and it would be a sin to you. But if you abstain from vowing, it should not be a sin to you. That which is gone from your lips you shall keep and perform, for you voluntarily vow to the Lord your God what you have promised with your mouth. It's a voluntary vow. You made the promise. Ecclesiastes 5, 4 and 5 says, When you make a vow to God, do not delay to pay it, for he has no pleasure in fools. Pay what you have vowed. Better it is, or better not to vow, than to vow and not pay. Best thing to do, if you don't know that you can keep your word, don't give your word. Young folks, if you don't know that that young woman or that young man that you're going to get married to that is going to be till death do us part, don't get married. Make sure that your oaths are for life. Be careful what you have promised. Listen to Proverbs 20, verse 25. It is a snare for a man to devote rashly something as holy and afterward consider his vows. Think about it before you make the promise. Number two, lying. In Colossians 3 and verse 9, Paul writes, Do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old man with his deeds. Once you become a Christian, lying should definitely be a part of your past. should never have been a part of who you are, but it now ought to be completely a part of your past. In Ephesians 4 and verse 25, Paul says, Therefore, putting away all lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbors. For we are members of one another. We ought to consider ourselves as being in this together. And I ought not do anything that hurts you because if I hurt you, I hurt me. Maybe this one will catch your attention. Revelation 21 and verse 8, as John is revealing the separation of the good people from the bad people. The good people are going to heaven, the bad people are going to hell. And here's what he says, but the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, fornicators, sorcerers, idolaters, and a few of the liars... No, and all liars shall have their part in the lake of fire and brimstone, which is the second death. There's no way you can whitewash lying. God doesn't. Lying hurts others, and it hurts our reputation. Now, I could go on a lot about that, but I think the oaths and lying... 
And there's a lot that could be added to that. How Abraham deceived both Pharaoh and Abimelech in Genesis 12 and Genesis 20. We ought not use words that even carry with it the idea of deception. But it's not just what one says, but also what one does that matters. And you know, in matters of business, and we each conduct business. Someone says, well, young people are not in business. Oh, they are too. Every time they take that money and they go to Walmart or they go to another store and they buy a CD or they buy something else, they're contracting business. When they work for someone, they're carrying out business. Listen to Leviticus chapter 19, verses 35 and 36. You shall do no injustice in judgment, in measurement of length, weight, or volume. You shall have honest scales, honest weights, an honest effort, an honest hen. I am the Lord your God who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. God said, I want everybody to be fair and honest in their business dealings. That means you can't cheat somebody with money. Listen to Deuteronomy 25, verses 13 through 16. You shall not have in your bag differing weights, heavy and light. You shall not have in your house differing measures, large and small. You shall have a perfect and a just weight, a perfect and a just measure, that your days may be lengthened in the land which the Lord your God has given you. For all who do such things... All who behave unrighteously are an abomination to the Lord your God. He's saying that when you use a measurement, you don't have one for somebody else and then one for yourself. You're honest with it. Proverbs 11 verse 1, Dishonest scales are an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is His delight. God likes it when we measure fairly. In Proverbs 20 and verse 10, diverse weights and diverse measures, they are both alike an abomination to the Lord. Do you start seeing a pattern develop? God wants us to be fair. I can't somehow cheat you of a dollar or five dollars or ten dollars. Taking advantage of other people. You know, the Bible speaks about that frequently about people who would cheat someone by taking advantage of them. Let me illustrate. In Matthew or Luke chapter 12, or excuse me, Luke 3 verse 12 and 13, the tax collectors also came to be baptized and said to him, "Teacher, what shall we do?" And he said to them, "Collect no more than what is appointed for you." Now, we don't understand that because tax collections today are not the same as they were in the first century. In the first century, the Roman government would levy a tax on people, and there would be a man who would come to you and say, this is what you owe. Tax collectors were notorious of extorting money out of people. They may come to Brother Steve and say to him, I know you actually only owe $100 in taxes, but I want you to give me $500 in taxes. And if he protested and said, no, you can't do that to me, they would bring the Roman soldiers over and say, this man won't pay his taxes. 
And they could mistreat people and often did. That's the reason why they were such hated people. When they came to be baptized by John the Baptist, they were asking, what should we do? And he says, collect no more than what's appointed you. It's right, it's fair for you to collect taxes, but you only collect what you're supposed to collect. Psalms 37, 21. The wicked borrows and does not repay, but the righteous shows mercy and gives. The wicked borrows. Hey, buddy, can you loan me $5? Sure, when are you going to pay me back? Oh, I'll, I'll get you later. Okay. You pay him back. Here he says the wicked borrows, but he doesn't repay. He doesn't pay back. That's not honest. You both lied and you didn't do it. Said you would and you didn't. And number two, you still owe that person. Leviticus 19, verse 13. You shall not cheat your neighbor, nor shall you rob him. The wages of him who is hired shall not remain you all night until the morning. Cheating and robbing are two different things. They both are in the same category of dishonesty. To cheat someone is to not give him what is due to him. To rob him is to take what belongs to him. And here he is using an illustration of a man who's in business and he pays his workers every day and he says, you don't hold his pay till the morning. Jeremiah 22, verse 13. He's talking about those wicked kings who were in the latter part of the southern kingdom of Judah. And he says, woe to him who builds his house by unrighteousness and his chambers by injustice who uses his neighbor's services without wages and gives him nothing for his work. People who would take someone who says, I'll work for you, I'll help you, and say, okay, thanks. I don't owe you anything. You know, the Bible's very clear. The laborer is worthy of his hire. And there are people because they have the ability, particularly King Jeroboam, uh, Jehoiakim in the Old Testament had the power, the ability, because he was the king, to say, I want you to work. Okay, now we want to be paid. Sorry, you're not going to get paid by me. Proverbs 20, verse 14 says, It's good for nothing, cries the buyer, but when he's gone away, he boasts. Someone wants to sell you something. Oh, that's no good. Nobody would want to buy it. Nobody's interested in that. Okay, I guess I'll sell it to you for next to nothing. Just as soon as you sell it, then that person goes, Oh, look what I bought. Now it's all of a sudden worth a lot. Again, you have lying and deceit. And you have cheating of someone. Yeah, the Bible talks about that. The Bible talks about that kind of honesty. Honesty will not allow one to cheat his neighbor. Now, just for good measure, I wanted to throw in a little observation here, and that is sowing and reaping. In Galatians 6, verses 7 and 8, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that he shall also reap. For he who sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap eternal or everlasting life. 
I could use a number of illustrations about deception. Let me just use one. Do you remember the Old Testament, Jacob, Jacob and Esau? How that Jacob went to Laban, his father-in-law, after he had deceived his father? You remember he put the animal skins on with the, the hair left on so he could fool his father whose eyesight was failing, how he, the, he and his mother had concocted this scheme to fool Isaac and did and received the blessing. So he runs off to his mother's people, to Laban, and then he works because he found this beautiful woman, Rachel, and he agreed to work for her for seven years. And then when it's time for him to get Rachel, you know what he does? He's deceived. And Leah is given to him for wife. He reaped what he had sown. He was deceived as a deceiver. And you see, this can become a vicious cycle. In 2 Timothy 3, verse 13, Paul says, But evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse. Now notice this last phrase, deceiving and being deceived. Do you know what happens when we have a breakdown in honesty in our country? If I can lie to you and it's okay, you can lie to me and it's okay. Matthew 7, verse 12 Therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. We've paraphrased it by saying, do unto others as you would have them to do unto you. Does it matter? A lot of people today think it doesn't. It does if you're the one to whom the lie was told or about whom the lie was told. It does if you are the one who is cheated. I thought it interesting this past week the Supreme Court is taking up the discussion as to whether or not it is illegal for a person to pose as if they had served in the military when they had not and to pose as if they had received medals and had not. And a lot of people were justifying by saying, well, it's free speech. You can say just anything you want to. Our society has gotten to the where we believe that free speech means you can lie. And that's just not right. Do you lie about your accomplishments? What about people today who are putting on their resume, oh, I graduated from this university and I graduated from that university, and then all of a sudden they're exposed that they did not. What about those who lie on their assignments? I remember when I was in graduate school, one of my professors required for every quarter 2,500 pages of outside reading. That's in addition to the textbooks, in addition to the other materials you had to do for classes. Assigned reading. When we came in to take our oral final, one of the first questions was asked, did you do your reading? There were several times I said yes, but there was a few times I said I still lack about 250 pages or I still lack 500 pages. 
you realize you have to tell the truth about it? Do you lie about your friends? Do you deceive people about your friends? Do you lie about your time card? You go in and now, because they don't want people to lie about it, and you punch the time card, and the clock puts it on there, but if you find, sign that time card and you say you worked five hours, did you work five hours? Did you lie about your income? Oh, I know I've gone to meddling now. Do you cheat on test? Yes, I know that people cheat on test. I know adults do, and I know students do. If you do, you're dishonest. Do you cheat on your taxes? Do you cheat your employer? Do you borrow and not return? You see, you reap what you sow. You see, Satan is a great liar. He lied to Eve and said that you will not surely die. Jesus said, you are of your father the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there's no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks of his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. If I'm not honest, I'm not a child of God. I'm a child of Satan. Satan lies to you and have you to believe that being dishonest is not a really big deal because everybody does it today. The truth, the truth is what will set you free. John 8 and verse 32, Jesus said, And you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. If you'll open your songbooks now to the song, There's a Great Day Coming. If you're a faithful child of God, you can sing that song with some enthusiasm. There's a great day coming by and by. Saint and sinner are going to be parted. But I want you to notice the last verse of that song says, There's a sad day coming. For those whose lives are lived in sin and they die in their sins, it's going to be a sad, sad day coming. Tonight, you can make it all right. You can decide that you want to give your life to the Lord by believing that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, repenting of your sins. That means turning your back on the things you've done wrong and do what is right, confessing your faith in Jesus, and then being baptized and being baptized washes away your sins. You'll stand clean and pure and holy in God's sight. Maybe it's you're one of God's children. You've got sin in your life. If you need to correct it, would you come as we together stand and sing?